Shareable is part of C-Suite Radio. say that season two is going to be absolutely incredible because in season two i have a co-host co-host say hello hello that's caroline she's now my co-host so season two of shareable is going to be a little bit different we're still talking about people and technology but we're going to go a little bit deeper a master class so grab your favorite pen and your favorite piece of paper and get ready to take some notes because this is shareable Here we go. This is Shareable, and I am Jeff Gibbard, and I'm Caroline. That's right. That's who we are. So first, I wanted to thank all of our listeners who have come back for season two. I hope you have been enjoying the longer format, the master classes, the uh, expertise we've been bringing to you. For those of you on Overcast, if you could do us a big old favor and click the star button to make sure that we keep rising the ranks and dominating that business uh, section. We really want to pass Tim Ferriss and, uh, and our good friends. Uh, Doug Sandler and um, Strickland Bonner over at the Nice Guys Business Podcast. It's on, Nice Guys. Yeah, it's on. So today we are here um, with someone. I'm really excited to have these two gentlemen on our show today uh, because they're not just uh, two geniuses that we plucked off of the street, but in fact, today our guests are uh, my business coaches, actually. I invited them here because we've had a number of different conversations that I found exceptionally valuable. Um, Quick plug thing I always talk about my business coaches having recommended to me that I recommend you all do shareable listeners is go take a speed reading course. It's like learning a freaking superpower. It's amazing. He honestly talks about this all the time. He tries to tell all of us to speed read constantly. So, uh, I can thank my business coach, uh, Bruce Morrow and Dave Hartman who are here today with me for that piece of advice. And today we're going to, so anyway, (laughs) they're going to talk to us today about Sales. Today is a sales masterclass. So if you've been struggling with getting enough prospects into your pipeline, if you've been struggling with closing, if you've been struggling with anything in the sales process, you definitely don't want to miss today's episode. You'll want to have a uh, a uh, pen and some sheets of paper ready to take some notes because Mr. Bruce Morrow and Dave Hartman are here to educate us. So let's start with the basics. Guys, who are you? Tell the people who are listening. Who are you? Give, give, your, give your background. Talk about yourselves. My name is Bruce Morrow. I'm uh, 68 and three quarters years old. I'm an experienced success coach. I started out in sales, sales management, sales development. I work for big companies, small companies. Uh, I've done work with nonprofit. Uh, you name it, I've been there and I've learned a lot about sales and selling. And the key to selling is listening. I want to get that in quick because we talked about it before we started. I'm originally from Pittsburgh. I have two sons. They're 38 and 40. They live in Montana. I enjoy going out there every year. That's who I am. Good stuff. Dave, you want to jump in and say a little something? Yeah, I'm Dave Hartman. I'm uh, Bruce's partner. I'm 41. Um, A lot of the same experiences. Bruce started off in sales. Started my first business when I was 26. Um, And just love what we do from Philadelphia. Solid. So, guys, um, you know, we're going to talk about sales today. Um, we're going to talk about sales today. And, you know, you've been in this business for a long time, working with a lot of different types of people. So we're just going to assume that our entire audience is made up of the type of people that you help. So who are we going to help today? What do they generally look like? The people who come to you and look for sales advice, what are some of the things they struggle with? Uh, what are the, what phase of their career are they usually in? 
Uh, talk to me a bit about who you generally help because that's who our audience needs to be in the mindset of as salespeople today. Okay. Well, anybody out there is in sales. I don't care who you are. You know, there's one out of nine people in America have an official sales role, but the other eight out of nine are constantly asking people to move their position, to spend resources, to spend time with them, to change. So everybody's in sales. But who we generally deal with is owners of, of, of businesses. And right now we concentrate on like 200 million down to startups. Uh, just because we can deal with the top people all the time. We don't have to get into the corporate BS. Um, so it makes it a lot easier for us. So we deal with owners, entrepreneurs, anybody with an entrepreneurial mindset, uh, sales hitters, sales novices, anybody who is serious about their success in sales or in business or in life is who we deal with. And if you're not serious, we won't deal with you. That sounds like a pretty reasonable sort of thing. So those of you out there, shareable listeners, we know that you are serious or else you would not be still listening right now. So because you are listening, let's talk about what we're going to learn today. What you're going to learn today with Bruce is uh, Bruce and Dave is we're going to talk about sales from a couple different perspectives. Um, some of the things that I've asked them to talk about are the art of prospecting, uh, which we're going to get a little bit deep into, and then how to test whether or not people are committed so you can get a better understanding of whether or not you have the opportunity to close. But I want to start with something that Bruce is super passionate about and that he beats me over the head with all the time because I probably still need to do it a lot better. I know I do. Not I know. probably. Okay, yeah. I need yeah. to do this a lot better. But <laughs> the, the one thing that most salespeople get wrong about sales is not listening. Uh, too often, they either have a misconception or they're told that they should be presenting all the time. And uh, I've learned in a lot of experience, and I learned because I started out yapping all the time. And I remember starting to hang out with, with the older salespeople that were the top salespeople in the company. And they used to tell me, shut up, kid. Shut up. You've got to learn to listen. You've got to learn to ask questions. You've got to learn to remember and take notes. That's what the key to selling is. We can all talk. We can all yap. We're all great presenters. However, the key to the top salespeople, they're the ones that listen and empathize with their prospects and find out what their prospects need so that they can determine whether they can help the prospect. And if you don't listen, you don't sell enough. So talk to me a bit about this process. So obviously, if you just show up and you shut your mouth, you're not going to get a lot. So sometimes you have to ask these probing questions to find out what it is that you're even listening for. Mm -hmm. There's more of an art to listening than just showing up and keeping your mouth shut. And as somebody with the gift of gab, I probably well, you got that one, dude. I probably <laughs> fall into the trap of no, you're presenting. A There's yeah, no question. Probably fall into the uh, the trap of talking too much and presenting too much. So talk to me more about if you know, coach me live if you have to, but figure out a way to communicate to the people. How do we get into this listening? How do we be better listeners? Okay. One thing is you ask a question and stop. Um, uh, and, and to do that, you prepare questions before you go in. But before you do that, you figure out who it is you want to sell to, who your perfect profiled prospect is and why. So that now you have some idea when you look in the marketplace, since you know what the perfect profile is, you will recognize them when you see them. And then when you do see somebody like that, you start to ask questions. And the questions are things like, hey, what is it you're looking for? From a company like mine, what is it you're looking for? And you make it so that it's about them instead of about you. Most salespeople make it all about them. 
the salesperson. And my thing is, no, make it about them, the, the prospect. Ask them questions about them. One of my favorite questions is, what keeps you up at night? And it's amazing what answers you get. People will tell you all sorts about their per personal experience, their business experience, their financials. I want to know about them and what issues they have and what problems they're looking to solve and why. So I have to understand them as an individual, where they come from, where the, their perspective, how they got into this business and, and what they're dealing with and what they want. And if I know what they want, then I'll be able to figure out, hey, is that something that I can do for them? And if I can't help them directly, I'll figure out something else that I can say, hey, this other person might be able to help you or this book might be able to help you or this. I can't help you with what I sell, but your job as a salesperson is to help people. That's your job, is to help people achieve what they want to achieve. And if it's all about you, you're not concentrating on the right person, which is them. So you're among the, the most, uh, how should I say this? You're better at asking questions than almost anyone that I've ever encountered. And I think one of the challenges as a young salesperson is understanding what are the questions to ask. And you mentioned first identifying who your perfect profile prospect is. That's a question. See. Any question you want to ask, ask yourself first. Hey, what am I looking for? How would I define that? Where, where do they hang out? Uh, what are they concerned about? Uh, what's their world experience? What's their business experience? So I'm asking myself all these questions that determine my PPP, my perfect profile prospect. So I get used to asking questions to get information. All right? I do the same thing out there, but as a young salesperson, when I was in my early 20s, <clears throat> excuse me, since I was told, ask questions, dude, shut up. I would go out and I'd have tablet paper and I'd have question marks all around my tablet paper to remind me every time I looked down when I was taking notes what some older person was saying because at the time I was like 20-something and they were all like 100-something, it seemed like. And generally, back in the day, it was all old white males, all right? And, and... I had an advantage in that I had been brought up to be respectful of my elders. So uh, I already knew, gee, when I'm there, let's not be too obnoxious. Uh, let's, let's, let's unyap. And, and over time, I decided, yeah, dude, you got to learn to bite your tongue until it bleeds. Um, and, but I also learned this not just in business, but I learned it in relationships, when I was dating or when I got married, dude, if you don't shut up and it's always all about you and you don't listen to your honey, you're going to have a major, major problem. And one of the things that I coach, especially young guys about is you've got to learn to shut up. You've got to bite your tongue until it bleeds and you've got to listen to these women that you love because you don't do it enough because you were brought up to be a hero. Okay, if your honey has a problem, your job is to save her. Well, guess what? She's a competent individual. Just because you might be taller doesn't make, mean that you are more competent. Um, so I also learned as a, as a guy who wanted to, to date women and have women like me, uh, I had to learn how to listen, and that was, that was great. And then when I had kids, I used to practice my listening skills with my two-year-old. I'd get down on my knees, and I'd just look Justin in the eye, and I'd start, I'd ask him a question, and he'd talk forever. And then all I'd do is take the last three words that he said and ask that question back to him. He'd talk forever. And it allowed me to, with somebody I absolutely loved, to practice my listening skills. I would also 
There was a there was an expert on marketing who I could not stand. I couldn't stand the way he talked. I couldn't stand his voice. I would force myself to listen to that audio tape when I drove around in my car to practice my listening skills because I didn't like listening to him. So I did things like that that helped me to be a better listener. I challenged myself. I asked questions of myself. I had goals, and I listened to older people that could tell me, hey, dude, do this stuff, and you'll be good. And if you don't do this stuff, you'll just be an obnoxious young sales guy. And I didn't want to be that. I want to be the top sales guy in the world. It's interesting. It's a good tip on how to become a better listener is to actually force yourself to listen to crap you don't want to exactly. actually listen to. Because if you can sit with that and be with that, that can be a really useful exercise. I want to go back to something you said a little bit earlier about uh, in identifying your perfect profile prospect. You talked about asking yourself some questions. Can you give a, a short list of a couple questions you may want to ask yourself before identifying who that perfect profile prospect is? What are some things you ask yourself to find that? Who are the kinds of people that I want to hang out with? Uh, I find that I can, I can talk to, it doesn't matter what their industry is. I look for personal characteristics that I want to find. People that are responsive, people that are nice, people that are courteous, people, people that will get back to you, people that will tell you the truth. So I ask myself, who is it I want to hang out with? What are the types of people that I want to be talking to? Because sales is your life. It's not just your job. If I'm selling eight to 10 hours a day, I'm spending more time doing that than anything else. So if I'm going to do that, who do I want to do it with? So it's the types of person and the types of behavior that I was looking for. One of my big qualifiers, and this was early, I, I, you know, I had been taught to qualify based on size of business, profit opportunities, da 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 but, but eventually, and it wasn't too long before I realized, you know, I want to hang out with people I like, that I trust, and that I appreciate. So I learned what that meant to me. Who are the people that I do like? Who are the people I don't like? Who are the people that I trust? What are the things I don't trust? And how do I show appreciation? And how do people show appreciation to me? So once again, you can make it very selfish and start with you, asking yourself questions. What do I want to achieve? Who do I want to hang out with? How much time do I want to spend there? What do I want to fill my day with? When do I want to be done? Uh, and, and, you know, the more you ask and, and answer, the more you define what you're looking for. And what I've found in my whole life is clarity is the key. The more clear I am about what I'm looking for, what I want, what that stuff means, the easier it is for me to make decisions all the time. I don't have a problem making life and death decisions. I have a problem like when I go into a deli and they've got 4,000 menu items, it's like, oh, my God. Oh, no. That's when I panic. That's when I choke. And that's when I say, hey, do you have this kind of food? And they always do. <laughs> and that's a good point. Tana. Now, uh, so, you know, once again, that was asking a question. Mm -hmm. And here's what I find. I, I, Hartman and I are looking to get a new fleet of vehicles. And, and I know a guy that sells um, a certain type of car. So. Uh, but he's an hour away from me and I want to give the guy business if I can. But what I asked him the other night over text was, Hey dude, any chance that you could bring one of those cars I'm looking at to your house and you and I meet with my honey here, which was mainly set up for Christina for her convenience so that she could see it. She could drive the car. And, and when I was telling her, this is what I'm planning to do. She said, Oh, that, 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 they'll never let him do that. And 
he immediately texted back, no problem. Uh, you know, let's just check the schedule when we can do it. So if you ask, it's amazing how often you get what you want. And when I saw that as a young salesperson, I'm like, whoa, if I ask and shut up a lot of times, people give me what I want. I'm going to get really, really, really good at that one, even though, as you can tell, I'm a natural yapper. This is not hard to yap, 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 yap. It's not. And it's never been. And it doesn't seem to be that hard for most people. They can yap forever. But what they can't do is shut up and listen, ask good questions, take notes. <laughs> That's hard. So... We, you know, we have a, a lot of experience talking to one another and I know something that you've been passionate about and you, you talk a lot about is getting clear about what your vision, values and goals are. And I think a lot of the questions that you allude to is about being really clear with who you are and where you're trying to go. Mm -hmm. So, you know, taking, taking us from that point. So we, we get clear about who we are. We get clear about who we want to talk to. Now we have some idea of who our perfect profile prospect is, and we know the kind of questions that we're going to ask them because we really understand who they are. Let's let's pick up from that point where we now know these things and we're in the prospecting process. What are some of the things that you do to go about building a, a, a group of people that you can approach to do business with, and how do you go through that process effectively? Okay, well, I'll tell you our, our most recent process uh is using LinkedIn, which, uh, you know, at my age didn't exist. It, it's like, oh my God, this is so perfect. So what you do, first of all, the key is creating a good list. And if you don't know who your perfect profile prospect is, you're really screwed when it comes to building a list. So if I know what I'm looking for, then I can start to build a list. Um, and what we do is we go on LinkedIn and we create, uh, you know, we decide, oh, we're looking for these kinds of people, and whether it's this size business, these kind of characteristics, people that spend time on LinkedIn, whatever it might be that we've decided we're looking for. And we go through and we start to create that list. And then once we create that list with that generic sort, then we go through manually and decide, you know, based on the information we have on this person. And Hartman and I did this the other day. It took us like a half hour. We had like, uh, I think about an 800 person list. We went, oh, I'm sorry, it wasn't 800. It was something like about 300, roughly. And after we went through, we had 66 names still standing because those 66 were the perfect of that 300 that we started with. And it was worth going through manually. And a lot of people won't do that. They take any list and they start prospecting. They start calling, not me. I want to make sure that we have some chance in hell of doing something before I start reaching out. And then that's what we did. I'll reach out on LinkedIn and, and, and just, hey, let's connect. I'm a business owner. Uh, I do this kind of stuff. Let's connect. And then further, what happens is that list is shrunk down to fewer. So you might start with 66. And now let's say that 12 people respond to you. Ah, they have now shown some commitment because they've responded to you reaching out to them. In the past, what I did was I made cold calls, but it started with a good list. I'd have the best list that I could because I learned when I was a young salespeople, they'd give you lists that people had been using in their company for nine years and had been worked so many times and most of it was now invalid information. Even a current list that you would get was only 80% accurate. But here's what I've learned. Anytime you list, get a list, the first thing you do is prioritize it. Prioritize it based on what you're looking for. And you can prioritize anything. They used to say, well, dude, if, you give a, if I give you the phone book, how do you prioritize that? I'd say, well, first of all, I go to the M's and I look at 
anybody that's named Morrow, which is my name, I'm going to call them because we have right away something in common. So in a phone book, I'll look up, oh, okay, there's 1,700 Morrows. Fine, that's my list because I have something to talk about immediately. The other thing that you could do back in the day was you could find out their zip codes. You could know their address and you could find out their zip codes and you could decide that there's money in those zip codes or there's no money in those zip codes. I also would prioritize lists by names that are easier to pronounce. The worst thing you can do when you meet somebody is mispronounce their name. So if I start off with a name I'm confused about, I might screw up right from the get-go. And then when somebody mispronounces my name, I'm one of those people that will straighten you out. But most people won't. But they'll be offended because you screwed up the most important thing that they have in their life, their name. Can I just pause you on that just for a second to point out how profoundly simple but important that actually Dude. is to just to, to have yeah. a giant list and prioritize based upon whether or not you can easily pronounce their name yeah. seems simple but it actually is a really great idea and now that will offend some people oh my goodness well listen i'm a salesperson i'm looking for people who might buy in my lifetime and my lifetime short guess what so i have to make decisions all the time with limited information you want to get better in your life here's a tip here's a bonus tip for anybody listening Life is about making lists. It is. Whether you make them in your head or you make them on paper, whatever. It's like things I have to do today or, or you know, try to remember. Fine. Any list that you have, prioritize it. And I use the Pareto principle, the 20-80 rule. Uh, if I've got a list of 100 things, I'm looking for the top 20%. That's all. And if that number's too big, I'll do it 20-80 again. Okay, that number's too big. What's 20% of that number? So I'm going to shrink down this list into the precious few because that's where the gold is. It's not calling all sorts of people that will never buy in your lifetime. It's calling the few that are interested in what you're selling and wanting to have a conversation. So getting back to LinkedIn, reach out to people. So now our list went from 300. We scrubbed it manually down to 66. Reach out to those 66 people. 12 people respond. Those are the 12 people that I'm focusing on. Now I've got a dialogue going there. And it's generally, it's, it's like it used to be. I've got a list. They've responded. Now, I'm having a conversation with them. So no matter what they say, I'm going to respond to it. If they just say, hey, thanks for reaching out. We're now connected. I will respond. Even if I just say, you're welcome. I'm glad we're connected. Conversation. It's positive. I'm not trying to sell them anything. I'm not trying to reach in their pocket and grab their cash. I'm just having a conversation. And when they say after a while, after you, you know, you have some make nice conversation back and forth, hey, why are you reaching out to me? Because generally people will tell me. And I'll say, I'm an old time sales guy. And I know this. If I want to start a conversation, it's on me to reach out to people and see who is interested. And I also know this is America. So if we've got a conversation going and either one of us wants to end it, either one of us can. No harm, no foul. But I'm looking to grow my business, develop as a person, and talk to people that want to have conversations with a person like me. Does that answer your question? Yes, so, it does. Okay. I wanted to ask you one more piece and pause you on that, though, because there's there's something in, included in all of this that I think is important for us to address. You talk about reaching out to people, whether it be when you back in the day were cold calling or when you're sending LinkedIn messages. Mm-hmm. I think we need to stop and talk about that because I think there's... One, what do I say? That's what a lot of salespeople will go through. That's the first thing. Second thing is just the confidence to be able to pick up the phone or send that email in the first place. 
There's a lot that goes into that. It, it, the the concern about am I am I like spamming people or you know how do I say it or what if I use the wrong words and I blow this opportunity? I've I've pared down my 300 to 66. What's some of the things that go through your head or that you work with people on to help them to get over that initial fear of sending mm-hmm. that first message? What are some tips you have about opening those conversations? Anything that can help the person who's currently paralyzed to move forward? What are some things you can help with? Okay. Well, the first thing you have to understand is the consequences of, of being paralyzed. And and I used to use fear of failure or fear of not feeding my kids and stuff like that to get me over. So sometimes you've got to trick your brain into doing it because nobody back in the day. I know I've met and trained thousands and thousands of salespeople. I know two that like cold calling. Actually, two out of thousands. and th- So most people hate cold calling. But guess what? The key to being a great salesperson is prospecting. There's no two ways about it. If you can't or won't or don't prospect, you're going to starve to death. And my thing was, oh, geez, i got to feed my kids. Uh, uh, I better get on the phone because I'm like everybody else. Well, maybe I ought to watch the soaps in the afternoon. Maybe I'll find something on an ad that'll be a prospect. Or maybe I ought to read the paper and look for prospects on the sports page. Uh, yeah, you can avoid it all you want, but I'll tell you what, if, if you're not willing to prospect, so, so you use your motivation. What do you want? I used to use two motivations. I used to use the fact that I wanted to be the greatest sales guy who ever lived. That was a motivation. And I knew, dude, if you don't have the guts to do this, there's no way you're ever going to accomplish that. So you'll just have to give up. So it would be like, I'd kind of like embarrass myself with myself. Once again, asking yourself questions, get better answers. But also, I, I'd use my motivation. Gee, how am I going to, when I come home at night, how am I going to face my wife and kids if I didn't do my job? And if I didn't do my job just because I was gutless, because, and that would, that would motivate me, then I'd do things like that. I still hated a cold call. But what I realized was, hmm, the best time to cold call is in the morning for me because by the afternoon you're using all sorts of excuses. So it's like, okay. And I hated getting up in the morning. So I had a next door neighbor who I play racquetball, who if I was awake, I would kill. But at six o'clock in the morning, I was dysfunctional. So we'd play racquetball and the first game, he'd beat me. Second game, I'd beat him. Third game, I'd kill him. I'd immediately get in my car, wouldn't shower, wouldn't do anything. Get in my car, run back to my home office, get on the phone. Cause now I was invincible. I just kicked butt and I didn't care that I was smelly and sweaty, I didn't care. Because now I had the guts to get on the phone and start banging out those calls that I needed to make. And that list was created beforehand. I didn't come back and like start to think about my list. Uh-uh. You create that list at night when the market's asleep. You, you call that list at night. And then in the morning when you're ready, when you come back from playing racquetball, sweaty, you've got your list. And now you just start dialing. Another thing that the older salespeople used to tell me, dude, Every one of those calls pays off for you because, you know, you make so many calls and then eventually you'll get sales. So you try to figure out how much each call is worth. And at the time, you know, now it might be 50 bucks a call. Back in the day, it was probably 50 cents a call because, you know, the numbers. But, but that was it. Okay. This, every call that I make is worth $5 or whatever the number was. So, okay. I just made $5. Okay. I just made another $5. Okay. I just made another $5. So, so once again, you trick your brain into buying into this process 
And although I learned what to call it later, I also knew this. You're looking for easy, early wins on anything, especially things that are hard. So, so you set it up so you can win all the time. Gee, uh, uh, when I put together my list, that's a win, and that's easy. I can put names and numbers on a sheet of paper and, and handwrite it up and have it ready to go. That's an easy early win. I can have an easy, okay, and if I get up at, at 5.30 in the morning, that's a win. And if I go play racquetball, even if I lose, that's a win. And then when I come back and make that first phone call, that's a win. And you have all these wins stacking up, and now I'm, I've got momentum. And it's so much, it's either upward or downward momentum. It's like when you're being lazy, even though you've got all the time in the world, you get even lazier and don't do anything. And the old saw about if you're busy, you know, if you need something done, give it to a busy person. So I want to wrap the sales conversation with one really big topic. And that big topic um, is overcoming objections and barriers. Mm -hmm. And within that, there's something that you and I had a conversation about where we talked about testing people's commitment and, mm -hmm. and kind of issuing a challenge to them to see if they're really serious about doing the work. Sure. And I wanna talk a bit about that. So when it comes to objection and barriers, everybody's always got a reason why they can't buy from you right now. Oftentimes they'll say price, may not mean it's price, but um, you know, that's one of the ones that they'll, they'll, they'll often say is it's too expensive or whatever. Sometimes it'll be, um, you know, well... But by the way, let me just respond to that. Yeah. I don't believe in the price objection. I don't believe it. Here's what I believe. If you lose on price, guess what? You have not learned to sell your value. It's that simple. It's that simple. And I'll tell you what, there are a lot of people that they want to use that as an excuse. Everybody that comes back after they lost something that they thought that they should have won and, and they've promised everybody in the company they're going to get it. They go, ah, price. Uh, or, or some brother-in-law at the last minute got involved with the owner. That's poo tinking, okay? Losing on price Here's why you lost. You didn't qualify properly. You should have known the price was the big issue if it really was. You should have qualified. You should have asked more questions. You should have tested their commitment. You should have asked whether they were going to recommend you when they went in to talk to the big bosses. You should have been sitting with the decider. You should have learned how to sell your product. You should have learned how to ask better questions. You should have learned to shut up. You should have learned to quit making excuses and take responsibility for your life. Those would be like just a few, ten, you know, like, just a few things yeah. that maybe somebody. As you can see, I get passionate about this because I, we all bought into that. Oh, I lost on price. That that saves our self esteem and our self concept. It wasn't me. It was this. It was the product. It was. Listen, way I look at it is, if you have a bad product, then get a good product. If you work for a bad company, then work for a good company. This is America, and what I found was. If I didn't like something that was going on in my company, I could either change it in my company or like I did when I left Bell Telephone. I'm going to go out and I'm going to kick your butt because I'm irritated that you didn't let me do what I wanted here. And now I'm going to go out and compete against you. And I remember when I closed an almost $2 million sale back in the 80s where the chairman of the board and the president of, of AT&T and Bell of Pennsylvania but from my company, which was not Bell Telephone, it was like, yeah, I'll get you back. You messed with me. I'm now competing. And that's the kind of thing that I would use. That was that motivation that would get me going. But guess what? Quit buying the BS. Take responsibility. If you're going to be a great salesperson, you have to take responsibility. If you're going to be a great anything, you have to take personal responsibility and know when it's your problem. 
If you don't have a good product, get a good product. If your price is bad, then negotiate your price with your company before you take it to the marketplace and find out what price people will spend on your product because of the value that you've assessed and delivered to them. Uh, quit making excuses, which is another big thing with me. Just stop making excuses. Learn to take responsibility for you and your family because that's your job as a salesperson, to help you and your family achieve what we want in our lives. So one of the, um, I had a sales opportunity once and I came in and I talked to you about it and you posed to me a challenge of, of making the person that I was talking to, the prospect that I was talking to, asking them to do something. Right? Yeah. Like, hey, before the next meeting, I want you to do this right. to test to see if they're committed enough to move forward. Talk exactly. to me a little bit about um, getting the commitment somewhere through the process so that you have a higher likelihood of closing by, you know, you ask the questions, you find out the information, but, but along the way, testing that commitment, talk to me a little bit about, you know, where that idea came from for you and, and well, how it sometimes again, plays it's, out. It's so much of it. Once again, what am I looking for? What are the rules of engagement? What, what will I accept and what will I not accept? And, and am I willing to walk? I learned early on, I had to be willing, willing to walk away from anything that was not looking like something that was going to feed me and my family. All right. So you have to be willing to walk. Uh, but, but it's real easy when you go in on your first meeting, if you establish what the rules of engagement are, what your expectations are, what their expectations are, so that you can stay on track. I knew a great sales guy, a guy named Jerry Friesen back in the day, who I learned a lot from. He called it track selling. The first meeting that he would have with this, and generally he was selling things that were like a half a million and larger. The first meeting he would have with the buying committee, he would lay out the track. Okay, here's what I do. Here's what you guys say that you want. Okay, if that's ever going to come together, here's the track. And he would lay out the 16 weeks. Okay, we're going to have this meeting and we're going to accomplish this here. We're going to have this meeting and we're going to accomplish this here. We're going to have this meeting. This is when the room ready to live. This is when you sign this. And he'd have them buy into his track before they even talked about all the other stuff. All right. And his rules were, and these are in my words, if they screwed up, he would bust them. And if he screwed up, they would bust him. And, and he knew People get off track and they won't get back on track. There's no way this project's going to work because these people are not serious about the project. They are showing a lack of commitment. And when you're talking about big, big things, people have to be committed. And it's really easy to see who's not. I can tell. Oh, they don't call me back. They lied to me. They didn't do their job. Uh, that's a lack of commitment. And the earlier in the process that you're willing to walk away, the less emotionally involved you are. You get to week 15 and you've been buying all the BS that they've been throwing at you and all the lack of commitments, lack of response, the lies or whatever. Guess what? You're going to lose, dude. You're going to lose. So but you now you're so emotionally invested and you've promised it to your firm that you have to stay involved. So you advise along the way and as early as possible. Immediately, not along the way and as early as possible. <laughs> Immediately, the first time you meet somebody, you let them know what you're looking for and you find out what they're looking for. Hey, Mr. Customer, Mr. Prospect, what are you looking for? Okay, let me, oh, what, and if there's anything that's vaguely general there, what does that mean? Clarify it, once again, clarify and define it, but you clarify and define with you first before you even step into the marketplace. 
by asking better questions and therefore you'll get better answers. And then going out and asking, you're testing them early on. I am testing when I'm in my first meeting. I'm testing them when I walk in the door because I'm looking at their reactions to me. And then when I sit down, I'm looking at who cooperates, who doesn't cooperate, uh, who's like sitting back and it doesn't want to get involved and who is. And I assess the power in the, in the room, who's in charge, who's not in charge, who I can count on, who I can't count on. And then the ones that I can count on are the ones that I hone in on. I'm not dealing with everybody. This is, yeah, this is a land of, of freedom, but, it, but everybody's not creative equal. There are some people that are not committed and there are some people that are very committed. I'm looking for the very committed. I'm looking for people who are serious about their own success. If they're serious about their own success, then we could probably do something. If they ain't serious, and the vast majority of people are not serious about their own success, they talk a good game. But I remember this must have been, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. I was in a sales training situation with a new client, and I met this kid that, that and, and he said, oh, I want to make $100,000. And I said, oh, okay, cool. Uh, how much you make this year? 30000 How much you make last year? 30000 How much you make the year before? 30000 I said, dude, you don't want to make $100,000. You want to make thirty grand. You have That hasn't gone up and down once in three years. So until you get serious about doing things that will allow you to triple your income, uh, you know, just know that you're not serious. That's all. Just know you're not serious. And then you do whatever you want to do. If you get serious, I'll talk to you. If you're not serious and just want to yap, 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 nah. I don't have time. I don't have life. And I love my time and my life. I enjoy myself as Hartman, who's sleeping over in the corner, because he's heard all this stuff before. But that's okay. I get excited by it because it is. It's basic. It's simple. The reason why it's not easy is because we're humans. But this is a simple system. Here, number one, figure out what you want. Figure out what your vision of the future is. Figure out what your values are, what you stand for, what you don't care about, and figure out what your goals are based on those two things. The more you define that stuff, the more clear you'll be about what you're looking for. The more clear you are about your target, the more you'll hit it. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Jeff Gibbard and Caroline Tassone <laughs> with Bruce Morrow. I was Bruce practicing Morrow. my listening skill the whole time. <laughs> and Dave Hartman. If you go back and listen to this episode, I'm sure you're going to find a lot. Like, for instance, you're going to figure out um, how to be a better listener because Bruce is going to tell you how. You're going to figure out how to ask better questions, both of yourself and of your prospects. You're going to learn where to find your motivation. And you're going to learn how to test and filter to find the right people so you're not wasting your time on a bad list. You'll learn to build that list right and how to go about that outreach. And if you're lacking the confidence to do the outreach, trust me, Bruce has got a few things to say to you throughout this to get you over that hump to find out how you can either use fear to motivate yourself, use your own personal embarrassment to motivate yourself, or whatever it is that you find. Or your big if, goals. Or whatever your big goal is. But the better you ask yourself the questions and figure out yourself and figure out your prospects, the better you're going to learn how you can close with a higher rate of efficiency efficiency and speed. So I want to thank Bruce and Dave for coming on the show and setting aside the time. I know you guys are super busy, but I got to pull you over here to our studio. And uh, I want to just give you a moment right now. This is your time in the show to talk about yourselves, which uh, means feel free to humble brag. Feel free to talk about what courses you've got going on, what things you got going on. I know, Dave, you guys have been working on a lot of online courses and different things. Why don't you tell the nice people about uh, how they can find out more about your different coaching programs and, and, and how they can get involved? We'll keep it real simple, and I'll do it because Dave's asleep over in the corner. My cell phone is 
745-3019. If you're serious, give me a call. There's no obligation. My website is www.myfoodchain.com. We're on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. You can reach out. I'm not scared when people call my cell phone. I know what to do. If I know who you are, I'll answer. If I don't know who you are, I'll listen to the voicemail and decide whether I'm going to call you back. If you're serious about your own success and, you, and you've heard what I say and it resonates with you, give me a call. Reach out on the website. There's a lot of free information, a lot of free video. You don't even have to talk to us. You can just use our free video and sign up for our free newsletter that I guarantee you will help change your life if you're serious about changing your life. That's all. And I just want to give a quick shout out as uh, as a client of Bruce and Dave's. Uh, I've been working with them for a while. Not every coach is right for every person, but I've found that working with uh, with Bruce and Dave has been exceptionally valuable for me. They kick my ass up and down and don't take any shit from me, and I really appreciate that. So um, I strongly advise if if it sounds like the kind of thing for you, give them a call. Uh, if it works for you, if it does, and and as Bruce has clearly stated, you know it's about fit. So thanks everyone for listening. This has been another episode of Shareable, a deep dive about sales. I'm Jeff. And I'm Caroline. And this episode was shareable. There are a few thank yous and shout outs in order. First, I'd like to thank Ray Bueno for all of that sexy production value and a quick thank you to me for producing the show. I'd like to send a shout out to DJ Quads for the use of our theme song, Always, and A. Himitsu for the use of our outro song, Adventures. You can follow Jeff on Twitter at jgibbard, and you can follow me at Caroline Sohn. You can follow the show at shareable underscore pod and just at shareable podcast on everything else. That means Facebook, Instagram, everything. You can email us at sharablepodcast at gmail.com or subscribe to our email list at sharablepodcast.com slash subscribe. Do all the things. Subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating. Review us on iTunes. Tell a friend. Tell your mom. I don't know. She might like it. 